Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning, I'm Karen. We're going to start off with show notes today. We have our December evening with medium events coming up on the 14th this month, but it is sold out. It's been sold out for months. So thank you again to everyone who bought tickets. Our 2019 events are already on sale. They are April 26th, August 23rd, and December 13th. Tickets are available online at buysarlo.com. We have a second podcast series called Sips of Sanity. They're 10-minute shows, and they run the first week of every single month. There's a theme for the five in each series, and there is an archive on the website under podcast Sips of Sanity, where you can find a pile of those little 10-minute shows for your toolkit or something for you to share with other people to start a conversation. We have gift certificates available for purchase. You can call us directly or you can request them through the website at buysarlo.com. Gift certificates can be purchased at any denomination and they can be given to people anywhere in the world because treatments can occur by FaceTime, Skype, and telephone if they can't be here in person. If you're looking for last minute Christmas gifts under $20, we have coffee mugs with our logos for coffee with the Sarlos and Sips of Sanity. So if you know somebody who's in love with the show or who's enjoying it with their coffee or tea, you can go to the website by sarlo.com and order yourself a mug. Last but not least, if you haven't noticed, we've sort of taken over the month of December on our social media accounts, specifically Facebook, to repost all of your favorites, a countdown of your favorites of 2018 posts this year. So we've gathered all of the statistics from every post you've liked, commented on, shared, and we are sharing them as the countdown this month so that you can see some of the biggest topics that were discussed and liked that generated conversation and stimulated healthier relationships this year. So we appreciate all of your interaction with our social media throughout the year, and we hope that you keep this in mind for 2019, because we'll keep doing the countdowns every December. Mm-hmm. All right, and on to today's show. Karen, you've kept this as a surprise to me, so what are we talking about today? A woman named June called to book an appointment. She wanted to have a visit with her mom, who is in a nursing home, and she booked the appointment so that she and her sister, who both live out of town, could call in and do a long-distance session before Christmas. Mom has Alzheimer's and has become nonverbal. And as a result of that, the two daughters wanted to do a check-in. They wanted to see how she was doing, how she was feeling, just in general. They didn't... Oh my God, I love that. Yeah, me too. I was so excited to do their session. So they booked this by telephone at their convenience in their locations and called in and recorded the session too because they have siblings. They did not tell me this. They just said it was for the two of them. So this is June and Diane. And Diane goes by Di. So she called and said their names were June and Diane. That's how that began. So then about four days later, the two women called in for their one hour session to see how mom is doing. Mom never gave me her name, Kelly. She just constantly referred to herself as mom. When you say this, you mean as you're channeling her? Yeah. Because as you've mentioned, she's nonverbal. That's correct. Okay. So you're hearing her say mom. Yes. So when everybody's listening to this today, whenever they hear mom, 
I'm referring to their mother who has Alzheimer's and is in the nursing home. And by the way, I said to them at the beginning of the session, hey ladies, how did you find out about us? And I think it was June that said it was the staff at the nursing home. Well, thank you to them. Yeah. So they came through to say to the sisters that they had heard about what we do and how they hadn't had us in the home, but they heard that we could do it by telephone anywhere in the world. And because they were curious and saying to the staff, I wish I knew if mom was okay. I wish I knew what she was thinking. This is when the staff said, well, you can find out by calling Karen and Kelly. So they did. Talk about exciting, Kelly. You could you could just hear it in Diane and June's voice to be able to hear mom now. Because she's had Alzheimer's for several years. And it's taken time for her to gradually lose her ability to be able to speak or and then eventually even coherently. So mom is telling me that she still makes sounds, but that she doesn't actually form words. And I'm going to explain that later. So hang on for that one. This is a beautiful message. So at the beginning of the session, when she said to June and Diane, thank you very much for checking in on me. And I know that you are the two out of all of my children that come to take care of me because you are the two that still live close enough to this nursing home. And this nursing home and June and Diane all live in the area where the mom and her husband raised the kids, where they had their family homestead. And each of the other children, as they went on in life, moved away. So she said, I know that the two of you carry most of the burden for taking care of me. But she said to me, but Karen, I raised my family with my husband as a unit. We worked together. Nobody fell outside of that circle of being loved, of being taken care of. Not in a codependent kind of way, because there were lots of good healthy boundaries, but in a way of if the other siblings could do something like take care of the finances from a distance, they did. If they could come to town once a year for a week, they gave their sisters the break for the entire week and they arrived with things for their mother. So they did everything they could to be able to work as a unit. So the two sisters didn't feel like the other children had just left town and didn't take on any care or responsibility for their mother. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, that's a lot of support. Yeah, and she even described that when some of the siblings would come into town, they would stay with their two sisters at either of the houses. And while they were there, they and their spouses would help with the gardening, would cook some meals for them, would put meals into the freezer. So they didn't act like guests with their own family. That's correct. Or children with their own family. Oh, that's good. I like how you're wording that. Yeah, there are grown-ass adults who go back to mom and dad's for quality time, let's say, and behave like it's mom and dad still and I'm the kid. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I, don't, I don't have to cook and I don't have to clean. I'm in mom and dad's home. Yeah, they didn't do that. They went to see their brothers and sisters and knew that these two women had an extra burden. Or let's stop calling her a burden. They had extra responsibilities. And so they literally would arrive and fill up the freezer and cook. 
they would arrive and do the gardening for them or shovel or whatever it was timely that they could do so that when they left, hey, if you can go see mom, but take out a nice pan of lasagna, you can come home and I cooked it for you. Then I did something to contribute to your life, not just to mom's life. I think it's equally important to point out that these sisters acknowledged that they did what they could when they could, the other siblings. Yes. Because they could look at that and think, well, it's just a week. All you do in a year is a week. But instead, they choose to value it that when you can, here's what you did. Yeah. And there's appreciation for it instead of looking at maybe the lack. Yeah, I think that's really neat, Kelly. There was one brother in the family in particular who was quite wealthy who did very well financially with his career. And so he took it upon himself to pay for the bills for her, for the mother in the nursing home so that his siblings didn't have to share it equally because he felt that this was something that he could do. But on top of that, he also liked to help his two sisters by saying, hey, I have a condo in Florida. You can go there with your family or whoever you want as often as you want so that when you need a break here's your place wow yeah is that ever nice oh yeah that's what i mean by that the mom and dad here raised them to be a unit and that they didn't just see each other as oh well die and june are in town taking care of mom oh well and go off and live their own lives and think yeah that's what they do that's what they're there i don't live there so it's not my problem they really had such a different attitude. I truly enjoy starting a session like this with somebody who's nonverbal to explain to the family the dynamics of their family. Because right off the bat, when you, when you and I hit the nail on the head doing something like that, it sets a tone for the whole session where June and Diane can sit back and truly hear the messages and enjoy them. Instead of what color is mom's hair? Or, or what is mom doing? Well, and like you pointed out in the beginning, they didn't ask what's mom's name. They left it, they let it be that it was just mom. Oh, yeah. Because so many people, even if they get the full description of what they look like, sound like, behave like, well, what's her name? Mm-hmm. Well, you, you know your mom's name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a test. It's- Let's not waste time. <laughs> yeah, and if I say I didn't get her name, but I got all of the dynamics of the family, including what the brother does and so on and so on. Does it negate everything that I've said because I didn't get her name? And for some clients, yes, it does. There have been times <laughs> when I have actually entered into Facebook like search and I've written mom <laughs> instead of Karen. <laughs> and I just wanted to point this out because I think in a lot of ways, kids think their mom's name is mom. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Especially when you're super young, obviously. Right. Yeah. So mom is thanking Diane and June for being the two kids that happen to be still living in their community where they can still check in on mom and where they actually go back and forth even between the two of them checking in on her. So I do a quick little check in with them and they're happy here. They're just listening to all of this. So mom is acknowledging everyone in the family, but in, I'll say in detail, Kelly, she really wants to talk to the two girls. Here's a message that just made my heart melt, Kelly. Their mom said to me, 
that honesty is the first policy. This was a saying that mom and dad used in the home all the time, that honesty is the best policy. And she said this over and over to them, meaning that if you are honest, then there is a foundation to be able to rely on each other, to be able to know what the truth is. So we're on your side, but it better be the truth. Because if we're on your side, and we're going to defend you, if we're going to stand by you, and you're lying, then we won't be able to do it again. I love that. I hope parents of all young children are just writing that down, latching onto it, filing it in your vault, and and using that. Well, listen to this one. She said that what they tried to teach their children is that being accountable to oneself meant being accountable to God. No religion. Just meant that God was a greater source of love and an example of integrity. So there was no religion in the family, but they referred to a God, meaning love. Like beautiful. I get a kick out of it as a medium when I hear the family come out with a response and whether, because this is over the phone, right? So you, you're not, I'm not looking at their faces constantly unless I'm remote viewing them. But at this point, I'm not, I'm just queuing in to mom's energy to give them the messages. So when you hear the little gaps over the phone, when you hear their delight, it is so genuine and so heartwarming. During this, the whole session, Kel, the two girls listened far more than they asked questions because this was a check-in. They didn't say to me, what does mom say? What does she think about this? What does she think about that? They simply called and said, we're here to hear from mom. So we're going to be quiet, Karen, and we're not here to test you. We just want to hear her messages. So here comes another one. She said that the girls often took turns visiting her during the week. So each day, Monday, Wednesday, whatever, they, they did opposites. But she said on Saturday mornings, both girls arrived with coffee for themselves because she was no longer, and I don't know what this, what this really means, but she said she was no longer drinking properly. So the girls came with their coffee and sat down and had a visit for the three of them. And she said that the two girls would sit there and talk to her. They told her things about what were going on in their lives. They asked her about what was going on in hers, just as if she could respond. So they didn't sit in the room and ignore her presence. They sat and spoke with her. And that she appreciated that they still treated her as though she was present. I think that's important. Yeah, my head is just as you're talking about this goes to someone in recovery from surgery or who's in a coma where we understand them to be nonverbal. They may wake up and be completely verbal, but in that moment when they don't have those skills, this is still something that you can do to connect with them and understand that their soul knows that their soul is present for it and that you are heard in those moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's, it's so important. Because if they're sitting in the room and they're just talking to each other and ignoring her and thinking that just their presence is enough, then she's feeling left out, totally ignored, invalidated. Mm. You can still invalidate someone who can't respond to you. Say that again. 
you can still invalidate a human being that isn't capable of responding to you. Well, what you're talking about is shunning somebody. And imagine saying, let's go visit mom because we love her and we want her to feel love, but we're going to shun her. Doesn't make any sense, but sometimes it's what people do. And I will say sometimes unknowingly, just based on your own belief system that if they can't respond, then quote unquote, they're not there. I, I can totally understand that, Kelly, because I think way back in my life, when I had a cousin who had been hit by a car and she was just a young child in bed, I remember going into the room and the doctors talking about her condition. I remember them saying, you know, we don't think she's going to make it right there in front of her because they didn't have the belief that if they were in a coma or that they weren't verbal, even if they were looking, but not making real eye contact and following you, that they weren't there. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say sometimes unknowingly. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean that they've intentionally tried to invalidate the person. But maybe if you're listening today, you can see this as an opportunity to shift your belief system. And I think the fastest way and surest way to shift your belief system is to put yourself in the nonverbal's shoes. That if you knew you were capable of hearing and seeing all of these interactions, even though you couldn't respond, wouldn't you want someone to treat you with the same respect as though you could fully respond? Yeah. Lovely. Mom mentioned that one of her grandsons named Yvonne would come from time to time with his dog and sit. I would note that too. (laughs) Would come and sit with her and that um, she absolutely loved it. She said to mention that the grandson absolutely adored her and was heartbroken about what she was going through. And even though he was heartbroken, he would keep coming and he would bring his dog because he thought his dog would be a benefit to himself. But she found the dog soothing, even though she and the dog didn't really look at each other or have much to do with each other, but that she enjoyed his presence too. And she wanted the girls to be able to tell Yvonne that so that he could appreciate the effort he was putting forth and bringing his dog each time. I wanted to note here, Kelly, that they didn't come back and say, what did the dog look like? How big was it? What was its name? What color was it? No, because they know what the dog looks like. Mm -hmm. So these two are not looking for, well, you got the message right, but I just want to push the button more because if you can't tell me what the dog looks like, then you can't be accurate about that message. They didn't do that. They took those messages and just said, oh my God, he will love to hear that. They accepted them from mom. Mom tells the girls that she's happy. And she says, I know that you question that because you quite often hear that I'm crying. You hear that I'm distressed. You hear that I make noises that sound distressed. And the girl said, yes, why? What is up with that? It causes us distress to know that the nursing home staff will say mom had a bad day. And the bad day meaning that she's making these distressful sounds. And I said, okay, let me ask her. So I said, mom, what's up with the distressing sounds? What's happening to you? And this is what she says to me. Well, she says, as I'm doing my crossing over to the other side, as I'm getting used to this, that I'm in between these different realities, she says, 
I'm starting to understand that I can find my husband, who's crossed over. I visit with mom and dad and Eddie. And I'm like, Eddie? Who's Eddie? And she says, it's a child that my husband and I lost, a baby. And I said, okay, let me, let me mention this to the girls. And so I did. I asked Diane and June the accuracy of that. And they said, yes, yes, go on. We know about Eddie. So I said, okay. I said, well, she's figuring out that she can go back and forth. And is that what's distressing mom? Is she struggling between the realities? And I said, well, I don't know. She's just explaining things to me. So I'll, I'll keep going along and saying what she says. So I went back and I just listened to her and she said, no, no, I'm not distressed going back and forth between the worlds, Karen. She says, but when you are crossing over, they don't all speak English on the other side or German or Polish or Italian or whatever language, Spanish and French. She says, that's not what happens. She says, it's pure energy. So there's one language. And she says, I'm learning the language. And she says, so on earth, it sounds like I'm mumbling. It sounds like I'm crying. She says, but on the other side, when you are speaking the energetic language, it doesn't sound like words. I find this hilarious <laughs> because I think if we could put it into an actual human dialect. Oh, yeah. If I had to sit in a nursing home and listen to someone speak German who may be deaf, and was speaking it loudly, I would probably say they had a bad day too, that they were very angry about something. <laughs> That's fair. And I, I just find that fascinating that she says I'm learning the language because again, if I had to listen to someone speaking Italian who quote unquote was very passionate, I would think, yeah, they must've had a bad day too. Yeah, they're fighting. Yeah. Same thing goes, Kelly, that I think if I heard somebody speaking Spanish with a nice voice, I might think they're singing. Yeah. Or French. I find French it all sounds like they're singing. Mm -hmm. And I find Italian is the same as well when it's done in a very peaceful mm -hmm. kind of cadence. Mm -hmm. So she said she was learning, learning the language. The language. Love it. And I said to her, okay, continue. I want to know more about this. I'm curious. And she said, well, she said with every word, so to speak, because we're talking in human terms now, that you say there is emotion. And I thought, is that the same? Do we have that here on earth, but we just don't use it? We just don't know it? And she said there is constant emotion. And because of it, there is always truthfulness. You can't use words and say something like, I love you, and not mean it. Because it wouldn't come out of your mouth. You wouldn't be able to say it. Isn't that cool? Yeah, I think I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. You feel truthfully everything you say. Yeah, I get that part. So then when you're saying it, the tone and the cadence of the voice changes, mm -hmm. is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's all with truth and integrity. So you can't lie. You can't say, I love you to somebody and not mean it. Mm -hmm. It's not possible. Okay, I can get that. Because as an example, I think I've been able to say to you, Oh, I just love you today. Yeah. And that's one way of my voice moving. Mm -hmm. And then some days it's so overwhelming. It's like, I just love you. 
<laughs> and it's it's there's a sense of urgency with it and a need to to say it and get it out but it doesn't seem enough hey and did you notice that your second one almost sounded angry oh yeah if somebody didn't know what the words meant yeah and but in my body I can feel the emotion rattling where the words feel bigger than my body and they can't be really contained by it mm-hmm. and so it comes out in a what sounds like angry vibration yeah yeah I think back to despicable me yeah I was just thinking that it's so fluffy <laughs> this was such a gorgeous part of the conversation Kelly because it gave the girls a moment we just remember there being complete silence as mom is explaining this to them and that she's learning a language and that in it there is all of this emotion with truth with integrity and that nothing can be false and at that moment, these two gorgeous women, June and Diane, simply said to me, thank you. Huge. I, I, I love so much about this, to like just put that out there. Her policy was honesty first. So of course she wouldn't have trouble crossing because yeah. you're saying that you can't say things without meaning it. Yes. So she's lived this as a human transitioning wouldn't hurt wouldn't be foreign it would just make sense yep yeah totally which is why she says i'm happy yeah isn't that like total beauty isn't it yeah yeah it makes me think of the tattoo on my arm um that is sensucht so actually german that means a longing for a home that's not of this world and when we talk about this woman, honesty first, transitioning into a world, a realm, a universe that really is that essence, mm-hmm. it would just be like going home. Absolutely. And Which, there's my husband and there's my child. There's my parents who's, who have raised me the same way. Yeah. And here I get to be. Yeah. Yeah. Be without struggle. Not having to say I have to learn to let go. I have to learn to forgive. I have to learn these things. I have to practice. I have to study the 15 forms of abuse. This was just not the way they were raised. In total alignment with that, Kelly, she said to me that before she had passed, when she was first diagnosed, that, and she was with her two girls when she was diagnosed, they, they took her to the doctor because they saw these symptoms coming. And wanted to be proactive to be able to take care of her, she willingly went. She willingly left that meeting and made all her appointments with her lawyer and so on and so on to make the will proper, to make everything in alignment and as seamless as she could for her her kids. Okay, can we pause? Yeah. Because I think about the amount of people who would resist the diagnosis, resist the appointments, resist the changes that they needed to make resist signing over all of those different things and I think that can come from a place of not living with honesty questioning if my children are coercing me into something saying that I'm exhibiting symptoms when I'm it's not really that bad I think when you live in a state of not consistent honesty then it's very easy to mistrust to to dismiss how someone might treat you thinking they've got their own agenda 
But if you've lived consistently in your honesty and you've raised your children in that way and watched them live it as well, then these people must be doing this to take care of me. This must come from an honest place. Mm -hmm. And she went with her two girls to these meetings, trusting them, showing them all along the way, trust. She also said that she gradually gave over those things to the people around her. So when she realized that she couldn't drive the car and the doctor said, we have to take your license, then she just said, fine. She gave her license over. And when she walked out, they said, Ma, you know, you're going to be okay with this, right? And she said, absolutely. She said, I understand I can call Yvonne. I understand I can call all of these different people. I've got my neighbors. I've got my friends. I have, I have, I have. She was able to list I have people. Okay, let's pause there. Because you can only do that when you've lived a life of creating and maintaining connections. So if you are someone who isolates, you don't have someone to call. Mm -hmm. You don't have someone to rely on. Now, maybe you can call a cab company and you can be completely content with that. Yeah. But you may feel sad with that choice. You may feel like you only have one choice. Yeah. And that that can shift your perspective in what you have. Mm -hmm. I think because she, she has so many of these things, because like you said, the way that she lives her life. That even when she gets this diagnosis, she fully trusts that all along and every step she's going to be taken care of to the best of everyone's ability. So there is not the same level of anxiety for her with this diagnosis as there may be for other people. I remember asking her if she wanted to describe June and Diane to differentiate between the two of them. Just so that we could have some some fun to make sure that both girls knew that she was aware they were both sitting there. And she said, well, not really. She said, because I raised all my kids the same way, Karen. She said, so they're, they both have boundaries. They both know how to ask questions. They both, and on and on she went about these tremendous qualities in these two women. But she says, if you want to say something that's different about them, then June is divorced. Diane is married. June has to go into a school each day. And I said, oh, what does she do in the school? She says she's the custodian. I said, okay. And I said, what does your other daughter do? She goes, Diane goes into a restaurant each day. And I said, what does she do in the restaurant? And she says she's a waitress. And I said, okay. So if you want me to differentiate, I can. So I approached the two women in the conversation by phone. And I said, your mom is trying to say that she wants to acknowledge that there's two of you sitting there listening to her. And that she's offering, these are basically the differences between the two of you. And they both started giggling, Kelly. And I said, what's so funny? She says, well, is she saying anything else to you about us? And I said, no, I just get that you're basically the same, except that you've got these two different careers. But she says she raised all of you like that. And they laughed. And I said, what's the joke? We're twins. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I didn't see that coming <laughs> at all. Mm-hmm. We, I had such a good laugh with them over that. And the mom doesn't explain this to me at all. But when I turn around to take a peek at her again, she's laughing at me because she has set me up for this joke. That's great. <laughs> this is the last message mom's giving the girls today. She says she knows that the girls worry about her and that they worry about her future. 
because they know this is a progression where everything is going to get a lot worse. And she said, let those girls know I am transitioning into another dimension. And I said, okay, exactly in those terms, mom. And she goes, yes, please. So I said, Diane, June, I'm repeating something word for word. And so I said it. And the girl said, Karen, that is mom. That is totally mom. That is the language mom and all of us use. We don't have a religion. We talk about things in terms of energy. We're not science-based. We're not saying we're scientists here. We didn't go off and study quantum physics. We're just saying this is our belief system. And we often talked about mom transitioning into another dimension and that we can be in that dimension with her as well. And I said, okay, I said, because she's showing me that she got to the beach house. And so she's showing me that she's arrived at a beach house. There's this beautiful ocean and sandy beach. There's a kitchen and she's in the kitchen. There's a table and chairs that are open to the beach. So you can slide, you know, glass doors, but if you want, you can open them and you step right from the kitchen straight to being outside. And she's got the doors open so that the ocean breeze is coming right into the beach house. She says that she's sitting at the kitchen table and that she's waiting for June and Diane. And they said, Karen, this is what we talked to mom about when she still was fully capable of having conversations when she was diagnosed, was that we wanted her to pick a place where we would all be able to meet as she was doing her transitioning. But we thought it's just into different dimensions, mom. A death is just a different dimension. It's like going from one room of the house into another room. So she picked the kitchen and the doors were wide open to the ocean, meaning that you could come and go through different dimensions. What a gorgeous affirmation. What a gorgeous way of seeing this. What a gorgeous way of being able to say that they can still all connect. And for her to affirm, she found the beach house. That was the end of our hour. I wished so much, Kelly, that I could have spent the day with Diane, June, and Mom. I want those siblings. I want that family. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, I think I have that with certain people. Not everybody in my family, but I certainly have that with you. Mm-hmm. I do feel like Mom. Well, yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and I'm so happy to be able to share the story with people so that if they think in those terms or if they even want to begin to today, mm-hmm. you can start. What a great opportunity. There's so many different things they can pluck out of this family story and say, I like that aspect. Is there a way that I could sit down with one sibling or one friend or one person and build that with them? I asked mom if she had any other messages because I was getting close to the end of the hour. And she said, yeah, she says, I just want you to tell the girls. She says that I have found some measure of peace and that what I did today was that I wanted to come to give them some measure of peace too. And that was the purpose of this call and this visit. And I heard both girls cry. So I paused. I just waited a little while and boy, it took a while. And then Diane said to me, Karen, 
That is one of the things that we would say to mom all the time. And we still say to mom when we leave together on Saturday mornings, that each of us has found some measure of peace in her visit. Well done, Karen. Isn't that beautiful? Yes. And thank you. As I know you're saying that from medium to medium. Yes. You're saying job well done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And job easily done for this family because there was so much love and, and the intention here was to be heard instead of to be to come and to test. Love it. Me too. That's a feel good December story. Yeah. We'll have more of those this month. I sure hope so. That's my plan. Okay. Wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing. I appreciate that. And You're June welcome. and Diane, thank you. Mm -hmm. How about mom and dad? Yes. We didn't hear much from the dad in here, but boy, you talk about an evolved man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they've raised beautiful, evolved children and grandchildren. Wonderful. So if you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at Otherwise, have a beautiful Saturday and we will be back in one week with a new show.